Welcome to Woo With Us, a podcast to help you navigate and explore the many topics of spirituality, woo-woo, mysticism, and more. Don't do your spiritual awakening alone. Join us and let's spiritually awaken together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Woo With Us. We have Nicole and I back together this week. And we are continuing on with our holidays of the wheel of the year. Um, Just kind of as a reminder, the wheel of the year is kind of the pagan holiday year in kind of one view. It's kind of what they call it, um, the wheel of the year. So throughout every year, uh, these pagan kind of, uh, I don't really want to call them religious, but people who are pagans celebrate these different types of holidays throughout the year and we have already gone through Yule and Imbolc and today we are going to talk about Ostara. So Ostara is the pagan celebration of the first day of spring or spring equinox and it actually as I was researching and it shares a lot of symbols with um the Christian holiday of Easter. And even when I started actually researching more, I finally clicked and was like, oh, Easter, Ostara, I, they kind of sound similar. So I was like, okay, what is, what's gonna, what am I gonna find here? Um, so it actually has its roots in Norse culture um, as many of the holidays, uh, the pagan holidays do. And it's held on spring equinox, which is March 21st or thereabouts in the Northern hemisphere. And then September 21st in the Southern hemisphere. It marks the beginning of spring and it's the time when day and night are of equal length. And so from this point forwards and onwards, the days become longer and the nights become shorter. And they consider this a time of rebirth and renewal When the natural world awakens from its winter slumber, it's a time when we can celebrate the return of the light. I think here, at least in the States, daylight savings times come, I can't never remember if it's daylight savings times or whatever, but we gain that extra hour uh, or no, we lose, we lose the hour, but we get more sun, I believe in the evenings. So it's not dark at like five or six o'clock anymore. It starts getting dark at least here where I am in in the Southern part of the United States. I know sometimes in the Northern parts, you all are still a little darker, a little earlier than we are. But anyways, it's a time to celebrate that there's the return of the light, the sunshine, the growth of new life, winter's over, the flowers are popping up, the birds are singing. I know the birds are back here in the last month, um, which is funny, I never really paid attention uh, until I started gardening last year. Now this year paying attention the whole winter, we had no birds. I didn't like, it didn't even cross my mind that there was not any real birds around. And all of a sudden, you know, late February, March hits and there's a crazy amount of birds in my yard. They're eating all my strawberries. They're picking off my tomatoes, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, whoa, there's the birds. And they're like laying, I actually am sitting in my travel trailer right now. And there's a bird that is, has a nest that has built its nest inside the trailer bumper. Um, So there's a little baby bird back there. So yeah, it's a time of rebirth and spring and growth. And that's what they're celebrating with us, Ostara. 
it's also a time when we can start to connect with the natural world, celebrate the changing of the seasons and really embrace cycles of life. So the modern pagan holiday that is celebrated today is actually based on an ancient Germanic festival, which is the same name, Ostara. It was celebrated by pre-Christian Germanic tribes, uh, for example, the Saxons, who lived in what is now modern day Germany. And the holiday was also celebrated by the Anglo-Saxons in England, and they called it Eostre or Eostermanith. And there was really no evidence that can be found that the ancient Greeks or the Romans celebrated Ostara, although apparently they did celebrate their own spring festivals, such as the Roman festival of Floralia and the Greek festival of Anesteria. So both of those were a time of um, honoring the returning of sun, fertility, and rebirth. So very, very similar celebrations. Uh, Ostara is named after the goddess Iosre, which is a celebration of the divine feminine and the resurrection of life after the cold harshness of winter. So all the feelings of springs that come, the spring that comes along with that, um, that celebration and resurrection. And there you go. Bing, bing, anybody who celebrates any kind of Christianity or Catholic or Eastern type of religion, resurrection, Jesus was resurrected from the dead during Easter. That's what's celebrated. So it's interesting when you start to kind of piece the history of these things together and how they start to intertwine. And then you start questioning things, but that's besides the point. So what are some traditional practices of Ostara? Decorating eggs, just as with Easter, eggs symbolize new life. That's why, that's where the, re the, the whole um, idea of decorating Easter eggs came from, was it's that celebration of new life. Eggs symbolize the beginning of a new life. Planting seeds, obviously springtime, uh, most of the places that have really harsh winters, this is when they start planting those seeds for their summer harvests. Lighting bonfires is another great way to celebrate Ostara. Um, performing rituals that welcome in the spring season is a good way to celebrate. We'll get on a little bit more to that. Holding feasts with traditional spring foods, gathering flowers and greenery to decorate homes and altars. So similar to the Western Eastern tradition, many pagans celebrate Ostara by decorating and, decorating and hiding eggs to find. It's actually a tradition that stems from the Germani pagan practices and they symbolize fertility and creativity, which both, you know, fertility, obviously the egg and creativity, painting the eggs. A lot of pagans may cast a fertility spell during this time, even for those that aren't looking to become pregnant they say they can use these spells for inspiration of creativity or hope for a good growing season. And even homesteaders will do it for their livestock to reproduce so that their land continues to provide. So that's kind of where a lot of this comes from. As with many other holidays, baking is a big part of it. Hot cross buns are the main things that you'll see during this time of year. And they're meant to bring blessings of protection into the home. And, you know, again, the creativity comes into play here. Many of them will decorate their bread with flowers or pretty vegetables, sprinkles. You'll see all kinds of like rainbow colored sprinkles, breads. I think sometimes you'll see people who like 
bake the bread with the colored Easter eggs kind of within the bread, braided bread kind of thing. I don't know if you've ever seen that, that's not Nicole, but that's kind of a big thing around this time of year. Many plant new seeds this time. If it's cold, people will start them indoors. It's a great way to set intentions um, while you're planting those seeds. You can kind of consider the seeds you're planting as your intention and start thinking about what seeds you want to plant in your everyday life, what manifestations you want to focus on, what goals are you planting with those seeds. So kind of coinciding that planting your actual seeds that you're going to grow vegetables and plants and flowers from and have that manifestation as you're doing that and make that kind of a ritual for this time of year. Some people will do an intentions jar spell and that can include herbs, crystals, essential oils, and whatever other magical ingredients they wanna put in there. And then they either write their paper intentions and add them to the jar or maybe just set the intention with the jar. Maybe if you're a Reiki practitioner, you can hold that jar and set your Reiki intention into the jar. It's a great way to use this time of year um, if you practice any kind of witchcraft. Also, Ostara is a good time to do spring cleaning. It's kind of where that came from. Go into all of your drawers, your, your, your attic, your closets, your every little nook and cranny in your house and get rid of the stagnant energy and any clutter that you may have collected over the winter. Do a smudge or a blessing for your house with some, um, with some incense or with some um, sage, uh, anything like that you can use to do a blessing for your house and cleanse the space. A lot of people will then go ahead and pull in fresh flowers. You'll see flowers at every grocery store, I feel like, this time of year to just start popping them in your house. I love doing that. Just went out this weekend and bought a bunch of new annual flowers for my patio. So I have all the new colors and just bringing that spring feeling into my house. It's a great time of year to do that. On Ostara, many of them wake up early and they greet the sun. They enjoy some tea. They meditate and will journal about any reflections, anything that's happened since the last holiday they've celebrated, maybe since Yule almost, which is kind of that like, I don't know, four month point or so of the year, quarter of the year where you're trying to say, okay, New Year's has come. Where am I at with my goals? Where am I at with my intentions? What can I do moving forward to get back on track? Do I need to change any of them? It's a great time for that. Okay, so one of the big things that I keep finding when I'm researching these are a lot of the um, pagan traditions include creating an altar for each of these holidays, which I think is really cool. I don't do it, but I love the idea of it. I love the ritualistic idea of it. So if you, you like that idea, you want to maybe practice doing this different times of year for Ostara, I know we've, we've passed the date already, but it still kind of feels like that time of year, that time of spring. So you can still do it if you want to. So when you're creating the altar, you can think of kind of this time of year, Easter kind of colors, right? The pastels, lavenders, pinks, light yellow, sky blue, a spring green. You can bring in freshly picked flowers. You can put your Easter decorated eggs in there. Rabbit statues are a big thing, again, 
if we want to go back and we kind of tie in to like, where do these things come from for Easter? Why did, why did all of a sudden people start celebrating the Easter bunny? You know, like, <laughs> where did that come from? Actually, it comes from these pagan holidays where the eggs are fertility and the rabbits are a sign of fertility, right? During East, even I live out kind of in the boonies and rabbits are everywhere right now because they're all mating and making new rabbits, rabbit babies. So that's fertility, newness, spring. So what kind of flowers can you use in your altar? You can use daffodils and tulips. These both symbolize the return of spring and new growth. I, I'm obsessed with tulips. Whenever I see anybody's picture of like the tulip farms, oh, one day it's on my bucket list to go to one of these things. Um, crocuses, they represent rebirth and renewal. Primroses, these are associated with youth and new beginnings. Pussy willows, which symbolize fertility and growth. For, for scythia, which represent transformation and change. Shamrocks, which are associated with luck and good fortune. You can use lilacs, they represent rebirth and new beginnings. Peonies are another symbol of prosperity and good luck. Uh, mint is another good one, it represents abundance and prosperity. Rosemary is more of like a remembrance type of herb. Time is associated with courage and strength, and then dandelions, which symbolize wishes and dreams coming true. So, for example, if you had an intention where you really needed to save a lot of money, or maybe you're looking to get a new job, or maybe you're looking to get a raise at your job, and that is one of your intentions that you want to set, then that's the type of thing that you would go in with your altar and say, okay, well, I need peonies. They represent prosperity and good luck. I'm going to put peonies onto my altar to try and call that into my life. And so that's kind of how you can look at these altar different ideas. So again, I'm going to go into talk about crystals. So there's different crystals that you can use. Um, ocean jasper, natural agate, clear quartz, always a good one. Lapis lazuli, and Amazonite, beautiful colors. If you start thinking about these colors, you can kind of get an idea of what types of stones you can put in there, anything that's lavender, light blue, those types of things. Garnet, um, azurite, rose quartz, and citrine, all great ones. Citrine's very good for this because we are celebrating the sun again and the return of the light. So citrine is very a very sunny, happy stone. The other thing that I found was um, tarot cards. So if you wanted to kind of pick a tarot card and place that on your altar, you could. Um, the suggestion was nine of cups. It talks about making time for happiness and positivity and enjoying the seeds that you've sown and the fruits of your labors. But the other thing that I kind of thought about is it, even if you don't have a traditional tarot deck you could go into any of your your decks that you might have any of your oracle decks and just kind of go through and see which one calls to you which one of these do you want more of? what what symbolizes what you might want more of in this next season over these next couple of months before the next holiday what do you want during this typical cycle of your life and place that oracle card in there and so you can do this however you want, you know, you, you go out and find things in nature to use in your altar. Um, incense, 
if you want to use incense to burn like a couple of nights in your in your altar if you want you know all incense kind of smells have different associations with them as well um maybe you want to work on a specific chakra over the next cycle so focus on bringing you know the colors of that that chakra or the feelings or the emotions of that chakra into your altar all a great way to celebrate ostara and lastly i just want to say um ostara is the time to worship the goddess of spring or any fertility goddesses so that's a time to worship brigid freya demeter isis hather or Quetzalcoatl. I always mess that one up, but so those were the, the goddesses to worship. And that was the research I found on Ostara and the things I wanted to highlight. Nicole, do you have anything you wanted to add? Any cool information you might've found? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of expand on what you talked about with the eggs. Um, I found on this website, it was more geared towards children and like what they could do for Ostara. And they kind of went into a little bit more detail about um, how eggs originally came into this celebration. And it was a common belief that um, children would give eggs to the goddess um, as a gift in exchange for delivering them spring. And she was so moved by this gift that she would give, um, give back to the children through her rabbits or minions or birds, brilliantly, brilliantly colored eggs. So this is kind of how the custom of colored eggs came into be. But one thing that I found interesting was that when Christianity came around in the Northern Isles, um, priests and bishops were thought to have encouraged kids to go look for and dig up the eggs because they actually disproved of the pagan tradition. And so that's kind of where the Easter egg hunt originated. So you had these eggs that were hidden and that was part of the um, Ostara festivities, but then in Christianity going through and like finding those eggs and digging them up was part of, you know, their disapproval of this part of the um the you know celebration which is interesting how we kind of do certain things and don't really understand where they come uh -huh. from so yeah that, a lot that was, of things yeah yeah that was interesting I also yeah. thought it was interesting that they they would frequently color the eggs crimson and that was actually to represent the menstrual cycle and that when they were dying the eggs women and children would think about their aspirations and intentions for the upcoming year. And then they would plant their plants. And in order to nourish the plants for the growing season, they would often plant or bury an egg next to the seedling. So I kind of think of like Native Americans when they would um, take fish and they would bury them with the corn. And that was supposed to be like nourishment for the corn. And so, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting how you see some of these things in history and you don't really understand where they come from that makes a lot of sense it has been really fun for me to try and figure out and associate where all these things come from and why they're intertwined and why did like that makes a lot of sense to me why now christians and catholic churches do that how they somehow adopted a part of that makes sense 
but then why did we also, it's like, we still adopted the, uh, the, the pagan part of it as well, along with the hunting them down and taking, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's very interesting how it, over time, it just turned into that, but I mean, this is life. <clears throat> so yeah, cool. Anything else? Uh, no, that's, that's all I got right now. Okay. All right. Well, that was a good quick one. And we will be back in a couple weeks. We're going to be talking about Beltane next. So I look forward to it. Thanks so much for listening. Your support is so important to us and we'd really appreciate you giving us a rating and subscribing to our podcast so you never miss an episode and you help us reach more souls. Thank you.